Hey everyone, welcome back to Policy Punchline. Here at the show, we invite scholars, policymakers, and entrepreneurs to share their unique insights on policy-related issues in our world today. I'm Princeton sophomore Tiger Gao. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting space: philanthropy. Uh, Americans gave. $410 billion in 2017. That's a huge number. Uh, the U.S. nonprofit sector now totals to 11% of the total workforce and 6% of GDP. It's such an important sector that is actually often overlooked by uh, people. So uh, joining me today in the studio is a young Princeton alum and entrepreneur in this space. Uh, he's the founder of startup DonorUp, Alan Emiko. Uh, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today, Alan, and I look forward to having this conversation with you. Yeah, thanks, Tiger. It's uh, it's awesome to be here. Uh, we're gonna have a conversation about philanthropy, uh, the U.S. sort of charity space, as well as his uh, startup and how it's uh, disrupting the space. So it's really good to to get to connect with you. Yeah, and, and no, it's awesome being this. here, being back on campus, and uh, be here a few more weeks uh, for reunions. Of course, yeah. So wh- wh- why don't we just start with the most basic question? What is DonorUp? Sure. So uh, DonorUp is an app-based platform that connects donors with nonprofit organizations based on your background and interests, and then allows you to more seamlessly manage uh, your philanthropic activity, starting with donations in one place. And uh, we're actually building out a new feature right now where as you make donations, you can earn rewards for things like discounts on ride-sharing apps, discounts to popular fitness classes, restaurants, retailers, um, as an incentive to uh, to giving back and also offering a more innovative way for nonprofits to raise money. So how did you come up with the idea of DonorUp? Uh, what are some of the issues in the current space that needs to be so urgently addressed? Yeah, sure. So this is this could go a little bit of a long-winded answer, but I'll try to make it a little brief. But uh, So the initial idea behind uh, DonorUp, which was then called Prometheus, um, came about in uh, the summer of 2015 when my brother Mike had remarked that um, his partner was raising money for a small nonprofit and they were having trouble you know, year after year, you know, securing funds. And at the time of this, uh, you know, we observed that there were these rising crowdfunding platforms like GoFundMe, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and it had seemed like funding for everyday projects was so easy. Yet when we thought about it, we thought, well, how do we kind of A, you know, bring the idea of crowdfunding into the nonprofit space and, and make it effective? And as we spent some time on this, we thought, well, you know, a couple things. One, you know, we think it's much more powerful to actually you know, uh, focus the entire fundraising process on the individual donor and not the nonprofit by, you know, helping him or her kind of, you know, discover causes and really cater that, uh, that degree of personalization to them. And, you know, as we thought about it more, you know, there was these trends in personalization, which has happened in almost every other industry, whether it's transportation with Lyft or Uber, whether it's, you know, wealth management space, whether it's with um, entertainment, with Spotify and Amazon, we figured, well, how do we bring that to philanthropy? And then, most interesting is we thought more about just crowdfunding in general and what GoFundMe represents. You know, that's all about one-time giving, crisis-driven support. And we thought, well, that's kind of, you know, antithetical to what nonprofits need. Most nonprofits need a recurring level of support. So we thought, well, how do we kind of focus, instead of on one-time giving, focus on recurring giving? So, um, you know, take that ethos of crowdfunding that's focused on small donations, um, you know, ease of transaction and good storytelling. But focus more on a recurring uh, donation and also, you know, personalize that service. And I think, you know, the problem or quote unquote that we're trying to solve, I think on one part, nonprofits, you know, they're trying to reach a younger donor demographic um, and they're also, um, you know, trying to 
get people to you know to support them sustainably you know month over month and and I think on the on the donor side it's just kind of aggregating your donations having everything in one place to be able to you know create your own philanthropic identity and then um, and also kind of you know as we talked about earlier you know earn rewards for giving back on the things you do every day uh, so you just mentioned how the nonprofit space needs r- recurring giving sure, yeah. rather than sort of one time I'm yep. feeling like it so mm-hmm. uh, how how's that space doing right now? I mean, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's you know the amount of like recurring gifts or someone giving monthly is definitely growing in the nonprofit space. Um, and you know, for a while, the past ten years, that that trend has been in crowdfunding, right? You think of like Giving Tuesday campaigns, end of the year campaigns. You see a lot more of it now, and that's why Giving Tuesday or the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, you know, produce, raises like four hundred million dollars on that single day. But you, I think you start you're starting to see more of a trend towards recurring giving. One, it's just it's less exhausting on the terms on the nonprofit development teams and for donors themselves and getting constant appeals. So um, you definitely see a trend there, and I feel like you know people in general are more used to subscription like services for the things they you know pay for every day. Um, you know whether it's on you know Amazon or Spotify. So it just you know it makes sense that we're kind of we're going down that that way, and it also a recurring donor. You know you have a better relationship with the organization you're supporting, and it's not like a oh a one-time thing, I have to do this once a year. It's just that, you know, you build up that relationship with the organization. How much of this donation is, I guess, impacted by business cycle? I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, U.S. economy is doing really well right now, and that's why a lot of people are having spare money to give, but what if we have a recession in two years? Or yeah, something? I mean, I you know, I think the philanthropy sector actually performed, like, okay, you know, in the last big recession. I feel like it really depends on what part of the market you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about you know, corporate giving, I could see corporate giving taking a hit in the, if there's a recession just because it's easy for them to say, we got to cut back on charitable spending because our business isn't doing well. That makes sense. You know, if you're, you know, high net worth individuals giving a lot of money, that will probably cut back. When you're talking about people maybe giving under $100 a month, um, yes, that's, that is a discretionary spend. I think it, it could come down, but, um, you know, giving's pretty emotional. And, you know, if people are committed, you know, to giving, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month, that might not surprisingly be the first thing that gets cut. You you may think it would be, but it might actually not be, as opposed to like you know going out to dinner or spending on other things, um, because there's you know there's a lot you're getting when you make a donation. But I think it can generally you know stay the course, just as like you know GoFundMe you know campaigns have considerably done well over the you know over the past ten years, including through the recession, just because you know there's an emotional appeal when you make a you know a contribution on one of those sites. Uh, I want to probably get a little bit more philosophical sure. here because. Uh, a lot of people would say rich people donate money simply because they want to wash off their guilt. Yeah. Uh, and, and same with big corporations, or whatever. So, so, uh, what do you think of this opinion? I mean, first of all, it's just. I mean, uh, I think there is. Yeah, I think there could be certain truth to it. I mean, if you make a donation, you feel good about doing it, and you feel better. <laughs> now, I would never say it's a sole motivation for someone doing it. I'm sure for some people. It is. Um, I, I, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you're, you know, if you're wealthy, and you're giving a big sum of money. Um, you know, you feel good about doing it, and 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 that's okay, and you get recognized for it. Um, and yeah, it could perhaps absolve you of other things you've done in the past, maybe. But um, I think that you know, in in donations, there's a selfish drive there for sure. Unless people are giving strictly anonymously, which not a lot of people do. Yeah, there there is some selfishness to making donations because you, you because you get something in return. Now, I don't think people would readily admit that or want to admit that, but that's just the fact of the matter. Or else you would probably give anonymously, unless your argument is that well, 
I give so that other people can see me giving and therefore they're going to give. And that's fine. But um, I think a big part of, of, of people's you know psyche when it comes or psychology when it comes to, to donating is that there's a selfish uh, motivation behind it, which is OK. That's just that's just a fact. That's so fascinating to hear that thought. I mean, how, yeah. how do you think you're, we're tapping into something or, or successful nonprofits or you know, even your startup are, are trying to tap into that part of the psychology. Yeah, to... I mean, I, I, I think that is definitely, you know, you you could say that. I mean, that being said, I mean, it's all going to a greater cause. Just as any company, like if you're Facebook or Instagram, I mean, you're trying to get people to be on your applications hour after hour. And that's that's your goal. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. That's they what can, they're tapping into. Right? That's what they're tapping into. They're tapping into, you know, that dopamine release when you're, you know, on one of those sites and getting there because then if you're on there for longer, then the advertisers will pay more money to get at you. So right. every company essentially is trying to do that and understand their core user and the psychology behind it. Um, but I think, you know, especially as we're going more into the brand, you know, c- corporate social responsibility space, I mean, a lot of reasons why brands, you know, have programs is because they do want to actually impact the community. But then again, they are businesses first. And, you know, they are also doing it because they know it looks good. I mean, you know, when, when they're giving back to the community. So um, and that's OK. But that's I think it, that's an important part to realize that, you know, if you're selling something to them like we are, that I understand that they're you know, that their goal is to really actually impact the community and also, you know, get new customers and, and build brand awareness. So and we're here to help them do that. You, you guys are doing something really interesting because uh, when a corporation uh, comes to you or, or like uh, donates money through your platform, you end up giving them those kind of perks and benefits and then that they can give to their employees. Yeah. yeah. So when like when we do if we do a partnership with an, with a with a brand, for example, like basically we'll generally give our donors um, whatever that brand is, like some kind of. Um, uh, you know, perk from them, whether it's like, you know, if we're partnering with a restaurant in New York City, you know, we would give our, you know, donors like, you know, 20 or so percent off um, if, if they're a continuous donor because that organization is sponsoring, you know, sponsoring them in a way and, and, and rewarding them for giving back. Um, and it kind of counts towards their CSR and, and helps them, um, you know, kind of build more loyal customer base. Got you. Do, do you think uh, the restaurants and businesses want to do that? Just give off those perks? Do you, well, uh, when you interact with them, like sure. I mean, I here's what I think. I think that um, a lot of brands, companies, restaurants, they they want to have a social impact angle. Like that's you know that's what Lyft is all about. They're about helping the community. Um, or that's what they say. Um, and I think brands want to do that, but they also want to get new customers. So if a brand's willing to give twenty percent off on Instagram or something like that. I think they'd be okay and open-minded to doing it in other avenues where they could also have a slant of, of looking good in the community. Um, so yeah, I think I think if it can get them new customers and get them loyal customers, um, then any like that's why brands do sales, you know, to get people in the door. So it's like, why can't we kind of link that, but link it to giving back? Uh, I remember talking to you. Uh, I, it was, I think it was like a couple of weeks, about a month ago, mm-hmm. and uh, you told me this interesting thing about no fee. Yeah. No fee through sure. donor up. And I was explaining this idea to my friends. Yeah. And they're like, well, what, what do you mean? When I donate to like American Cancer Society or uh, when I donate to, to GoFundMe, they don't they don't charge me. It's like, like what, what do you mean by no fee? Yeah. That, by the cheapest way. Yeah. No, that's a really interesting point. And uh, yeah, so mo- how like most donations, nonprofits based work is if you make a donation to a nonprofit and you go direct, meaning you go to the website directly. Um, you give $100 and, and that's what you give and that's what you think you give. But generally there's a company in the back end who will take a 
payment processing fee, usually around 5%. Um, and that's kind of how they survive as companies. And their value add as well, we're making a donation form easier, we're making it sleeker, and you know, it, it increases traffic and all that stuff, which is great. Um, what we're trying to do is create a new business model in the space where we don't have to take that fee and we don't take that fee. So actually giving through donor up to a nonprofit in a weird way is actually the most cost-effective way because eventually, you know, our plan and business model is to earn our revenue through these other brand partnerships that I mentioned. Um, and because they're they're going to themselves pay for customer acquisition and they're going to themselves pay for building their own, you know, community impact programs. And we're going to kind of help them with that um, on a micro scale. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the challenge that we're trying to solve is, you know, not only do we connect people, individual donors with nonprofits, not only do we focus on recurring donations and being innovative, but we also try to be and are the most cost effective way for an individual to donate to a nonprofit because we're able to, you know, earn revenue and be sustainable through other ways. So if I'm going on GoFundMe right now sure. and, I, and I donate... How, how does it work? Like, I, I don't actually, not all my money goes. So, so GoFundMe um, is is different. So most most all of GoFundMe campaigns are generally to individuals who are just in either not 501c3 organizations, which is who are, which is what we're, you know, what, the people that are on, the organizations that are on DonorUp. But when you go on GoFundMe, they used to take like 5 or 6%. Now what they do is they take 0%, but they ask you if you want to uh, tip GoFundMe, at, and they start at ten percent and offer you either five, ten, or fifteen percent is is an optional tip to fund GoFundMe's operations. Got you. So, so it has, there are always some extra layers of. Uh... Yeah, I mean they're they're getting they're that's how they make money. They're getting paid via via a tip. Gotcha. Um, you know what you would equate you know paying someone at a restaurant. Um, they're using that terminology and putting it and saying you know they, we don't charge a fee, but if you'd like to support us, you can give us ten percent of your donation. Got you. Uh, let's move to policy a little bit. So, sure. uh, what? Wh- how does the government regulating the f- philanthropy space, charities, and um, what are we seeing? Yeah, I mean, policy. Well, I, I would say that the the number one policy change is you know w- the doubling of the standard deduction for the most part, which would mean what, what is that? Yeah. So basically, you know, on your taxes, you can you can write off charitable gifts, and that would go against your actual income to lower your tax, you know, your tax rate or how much you're paying in taxes. But with the new tax bill, you know, everyone's um, everyone has like a standard deduction that they can put that they don't have to itemize if they get um, if the standard deduction is above all their single itemizations, which include charitable giving. So when they increase the the standard deduction, it basically means that you don't need to. Um, unless you're giving over like you know five or ten thousand dollars a year, you're not going to really itemize charitable giving. It doesn't make any sense because you're not going to get any benefit from it. So there is an argument saying that when that happens, it's going to decrease charitable giving because there's not an incentive that the government's providing to make a donation because you can't write it off because it's not worth it. Um, so that's an interesting thing that I'm happy to talk about um, in terms of other regulation. I mean. You know, the, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of actually issues between the government and nonprofits. But I mean, I mean, the biggest one is just kind of governing and making sure they're 501c and they're 501c3 or 501 whatever you know they're they're going to whatever subcategory the IRS tax code they are, and making sure they're compliant, um, which we don't really get into as much. But that's you know essentially the government's job to make sure they're operating as a nonprofit. Uh, how do you think policies could uh, incentivize and promote? people to donate to philanthropy what what is a ro- what role does government play yeah i mean i think the real role that they played you know 
for decades was really with that your charitable donations can be used to offset Ta- you know your, your you know your um, your income and pay less in taxes like that was literally the re- that was the incentive it was a pure money incentive um, so I think that that's still is it enough or I don't know um, do you I, think the government should do more I think they you know they could do more I mean I I but I, I also think it's incumbent on on you know what the government should do they, they should help younger companies entrepreneurs in the space um, operate in the space freely to make stuff happen. I mean, I, I think it's better that, I don't know if the government can make a younger person make a do- more likely to make a donation, but I believe that companies can be created. And that's what I think we're doing at DonorUp that can allow younger people or just people in general to more seamlessly connect with organizations uh, in a more impactful way and be incentivized, as you said, to give back. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, in the private sector or with, you know, with companies rather than the government getting more involved in trying to incentivize. I think it's just letting companies, you know, flourish in the space that um, already exist, already or... exist or that haven't existed, but they're promoting their, you know, their ability to rise. So like, for example, have not as having as much red tape if you're starting a company in the nonprofit fundraising space. And there's a lot of like, you know, small stuff you got to do that it's kind of annoying, but that's just how it works. And yeah, less of that, less like, you know, I don't want to say regulation on that end would be helpful, sure, because it just allows you to grow faster and, and get out there. What about people could say like, ah, well, we worry about like uh, frauds or scams. Like, you mean f- with when people donate to nonprofits or just yeah, or where people I don't know. I, I, probably it's a little bit better in in the U.S., but in developing countries, underdeveloped countries, we certainly see how you know, people use uh, quote-unquote charitable foundations yeah, or whatever yeah. to, uh, n- not just like, you know, money launder scheme or whatever, mm-hmm. but sometimes just very, very blatantly uh, lie to people how, how money's being used yeah. and and uh, it's just complete fraud. So how, mm-hmm. in, in that sense, shouldn't the government have more regulations or, or whatever? Yes, and that's why I would say the government should be involved with like, you know, making sure that you know the funds are, I guess, being used properly. Even though there's there's like 1.5 million nonprofits, so it's it's like it's an enormous undertaking for them to do that. But I think there are some safeguards to that by just like making sure that you know you can't just like you know I can't just form a 501c3 tomorrow and make it happen. There is a bunch of like stuff I need to do in order to make that happen. That you know that involves you know filing with the government and making sure that I'm doing everything that's you know in line with their code. So I think that's one kind of guard to make sure that doesn't happen. But yeah. People in organizations will always slip through the cracks, and that's going to happen because when you have that much, that many people out there, that many organizations, um, and 1.5 million of them, there's going to be you know a few bad apples that get away with it. And the question is, can there can the government do more to stop it? I mean, probably, but the amount of resources that's needed is it worth it? I don't. I mean, I don't know. But that's yeah. They would, you know. I mean, it's a, it's a t- it's a tall order to monitor. Like every company that exists, or every individual, or every nonprofit, some are—it's just inevitable that it's going to happen. Totally, unfortunately. Uh, we're talking about how uh, um, cutting down the red tapes mm-hmm. uh, for people who work in this space. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the U.S. nonprofit sector now totals to 11% of our workforce and 6% yep. of GDP, so, uh, making it much bigger than the military-industrial complex and many other important sectors mm-hmm. of the society. And uh, this is where I read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very surprising data to me, so I want to ask you there. Uh, do you think there are too many people working in the philanthropy space these days? Is it oversaturated? Uh, do we still, or do we have still have a long way to go to get more people involved? Do you mean just people who work in like nonprofits and like, I, like I, are, are there like too many organizations solving the same problem? Sure. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a that's a tough question to answer. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I you know I. I I have to really like look into this more in terms of, like the effect that all these organizations are having. Um, but I think a lot of nonprofits are tackling really, really, really difficult problems that don't have solutions that governments having trouble dealing with that you know large foundations are having trouble dealing with. So um, I think generally speaking, the more people who are trying to solve these problems and the more organizations there are is generally a net benefit. Of course, that could be a net negative at some point. Um, but you know, nonprofit organizations and government for the most part are generally solving problems that, a lot of people, you know, don't want to have to deal with themselves. So, like, I think there can never be enough people or, or effort going that way or money going that way for the most part. Now, there's a point at which money could be not used, you know, in the best ways, not like maliciously, just like it's not, you know, um, allocated properly. That's a whole other question. But um, I think there can always be more more effort, you know, even more money, more volunteering, you know, cover, you know, trying to solve a lot of these issues that nonprofits work on. Gotcha. That, yeah. Got you. That's all it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I noticed that DonorUp partners with, I mean, nonprofit organizations across many, many uh, mm-hmm. different areas, um, from environment, human civil rights to health, education. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sort of, you know, there's always this doubt, uh, I guess maybe even in the back of your mind, like, uh, are those charities, certain charities that we uh, partner with, are they actually reliable or as efficient? Mm-hmm. as others. So I think, sure. how do you choose which organizations you partner with? Sure. So we don't really, you know, we're not really discriminatory in terms of like, if you are a 501c3 nonprofit and you've been like, you know, I don't, I don't use the word approved, but you've been kind of sanctioned or approved by, you know, by, by the government, you know, you're you're able to list. I mean, we're not, we're not going to get in the gotcha. position of saying like, oh, like you're good, you're bad, you're not. Um, gotcha. But we do obviously, you know, look through everyone who signs up to make sure that every that they are up to speed with, you know, um, filings and, and everything is 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 kosher. Sound, there. right? Exactly. Yeah. Now, we also work more closely with you know select nonprofits, in which case we're going to put our name behind them in terms of promoting them on our socials or our you know our our newsletters or um, helping them run specific campaigns. In that case, you know, we look into them, uh, you know, more closely, but. You know, I don't want to get in the position of kind of judging, you know, it's not my business to really judge like the worth of the nonprofit and whether they're, you know, using their funds appropriately. There are the organizations that do that. And we offer when a donor comes to donor up is if they see an organization, you know, they're able to look them up independently and see their ratings and, and kind of get, you know, draw a judgment on their own of whether they're of whether they're they're sound because you we could spend five hours determining, you know, what the right administrative cost ratio should be the fundraising costs and there's no right answer and you know it's hard to really always judge a nonprofit's impact because some organizations work in in sectors and fields that it's not quantitative where it's like you know okay here's here's we put in you know $100 and here's what we got out of it a lot of things and problems we're trying to solve um, you know it's hard to quantify Gotcha. You, know, you know, it could be even an education. It's it's hard to quantify, and that you know makes it difficult for them to uh, you know for people to see results right away, so to speak. So so let's make that uh, I guess not about you, let about sure. someone like me, mm-hmm. uh, someone who doesn't know too much about the nonprofit sector. I'm just a kid. I want to give some money. How do I sort of conduct my proper due diligence on how an organization is operating and, and making sure that uh, it's using our donation money in a very efficient way? Um, how, how do I do my due diligence? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they're so okay. I'll answer a couple of ways. I mean, there's like literally there, there's there's websites and companies and tools, whether it's like Cherry Navigator or Guys, or you can go to and you know see their their rating system, which you could then argue, well, who who made it up that rating system? Why is that fair? But you know, quite frankly, what I've seen a lot in in the space and what I even do myself, I mean, it's a, it's it's trust too, right? It's if you're you're meeting with the people that you know you're giving money to and meeting with either you know a development officer or the executive director or, or someone who's working you know directly with the mission and you know trusting them that you know if you're giving them funds that they're using it appropriately i think that 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 a lot of it comes down to that and making sure that um you know there there's that connection there because i think trust is, plays a long part of it that you can't it's not totally analytical on every single nonprofit. Um, and if you trust someone to be, do the right thing and, and you have a relationship with that person and other people trust them, um, that's, that's a really good start. That's a really good start. Uh, what are some of the challenges you kind of foresee going ahead, especially with um, DonorUp's business model operations? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we're, we're doing something new in the space and actually kind of hasn't, uh, hasn't been done before. So, you know, like anything, I mean, getting, you know, first partnerships together, Originally, we started with nonprofits. Now, with brands, is is always a fun process, and um, you know, um, convincing people that this is you know kind of the 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 best way to do things, which it is. Um, you know, so that's always you know that's always going to be a challenge with any company that's not just you know particular to donor up. But um, you know, I, I think it's just really um, you know getting getting those first few partnerships done, which we've really kind of already done that, and, and are excited to announce some some stuff coming up soon. So. Um, you know, and and also being in the donation space and transaction space, as you kind of said earlier, I mean, people are always, you know, skeptical of things or what who you're donating to and what the organization is, and because you know we could be we could be perceived as someone in the middle of that. It's like, well, who's donor up? Like, you know, are they credible themselves and stuff like that? So it's just a lot of this is building up our own our own trust and, and credibility with donors, with nonprofits, and with brands. And that just, you know, sometimes it's not a function of just getting a partnership. It's a function of time and being in the market for a long time and, and, and working with, in, with, with organizations, companies, people for a long period of times and building those relationships. So that's um, uh, What are some of those relationships uh, and exciting um, new, new things that are coming up? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, those relationships could just mean like our, um, you know, our partnerships we have with certain nonprofits where we do a lot of events with them. But like, you know, we're... We're we're doing you know a lot of donation based fitness classes coming up in New York City for example so huh? you know you would make a donation to a nonprofit on Donor Up and you get to go to a Barry's Boot Camp class um, or you get to go to a Row House which is a boutique fitness studio in New York that's <laughs> open nationwide um, we've done events with you know some um, you know actually um, uh, bars downtown in New York where you know instead of paying you know buying a ticket for an entry you could actually make a donation to a nonprofit of your choice as a way to to get into the party so. Um, a lot of things like that. We're doing another partnership with another um, restaurant in New York where, um, you know, they're giving our donors, you know, 20 percent off um, to, to check out their store, check out their their new business. They opened up and, and get new food and and, and, and try to try their new food. So um, it's it's those kind of things that we're really starting to build up. And it's again, it's part of the mission of connecting what you do every day to where you give. Um, so like in, instead of me buying a ticket to an event, instead of me paying for a fitness class, I can just make a donation to a nonprofit that I care about and get that same exact product in return. Um, so we're doing those kind of things. So it, so in that case, like, you know, the nonprofit gets a donation with no fee. You know, you make a donation, but then you also get a product you'd otherwise pay for. 
and then the brand wins because you know they're they're helping the community and, and you have a you have a positive view of them i mean this is really a a lot of deal making and partnership making yeah. right so you as a platform are going out to those businesses who want to be more sort of socially aware and socially responsible yep. and they want to encourage people to come to their business as well as encourage sure. people to donate yeah. so you seek those businesses out mm-hmm. and you seek those big nonprofits out who, mm. who would love to receive those type of donations. Yeah, especially and in, in, in get younger donors. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got you. And, and so you sort of bring those things together. And, yes. And, and there's nothing we're doing that's like, oh, my God, no one's ever done that before. We're just, we're just taking parts of the puzzle that have already existed and putting them together. So on the whole, like, brand CSR, we think of, like, you know, Tom's Shoes or Patagonia or a lot of places where – you know, you buy their product, you say you spend $100 and like, you know, 5% goes to like conservation nonprofit, right? Like, like, like that's, that's what they're doing. But we're kind of reversing that. We're saying, okay, well, instead of it going to the conservation nonprofit that I don't have a connection with, I don't know. I love if you also just maybe supported my organizations that I care about, right? So it's like, instead, you know, be like Patagonia saying, okay, um, you know, Tiger, we're going to support, um, we're going to support you and give you 20% off because you've been supporting all of the conservation nonprofits that, that you care about specifically. Um, we're kind of trying to reverse that model of, of CSR and make it more personalized on the individual donor. Do you think that's sort of the trend of, uh, I mean, everything is so personalized. Exactly. That, that I think is a trend. I think everything becoming more personalized. Like we talked about earlier, whether it's, you know, like wealth management, entertainment, um, shopping, um, um, uh, transportation, everything is becoming personalized and people expect that. So we think, well, how do we kind of take philanthropy, which is generally lagged behind in technological adoption, and yet it's so big as you pointed out. And I was like, well, why don't, why don't we kind of make this a little more you know, personal for the individual donor? Um, and I think that's, you know, that, that's possible because it, it, philanthropy is very personalized if you're giving a certain amount of money where you know, you, everything is catered towards you. Like, you know, a lot of, you know, if you if you were successful in business or whatnot, you know, you're also known as a philanthropist because you give back. Right. And that's something that people, you know, want that title. But it's like, how do we get that title to individuals who are giving just, you know, 100 bucks a month or 10 dollars a month? Um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do. Got you. Got you. Totally makes sense. Uh, how was your experience founding Donor Up? Because I know. So you graduated Princeton and then you. Uh, went to do investment banking and in, in Bank of America, Merrill Lynch first, and then you gradually transitioned, you know, various different places. So, um, wh- why donor up? Why what sparked it? Like, yeah, uh, no. So, um, besides besides your interaction with Mike, <laughs> yeah, exactly. My brother knows. Um, you know, I so just stepping back. I mean, yeah, you're right. I worked at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, and then I worked for a small investment firm where I focused on food and agriculture investing, which I thought I would never be in even though I ended up loving it. And when I was there and kind of what I've always had is, is you know, um, a, a bit of an entrepreneurial drive and spirit. And, you know, for me, the, that definition of entrepreneurship is just, you know, having a well-founded contrarian stance on something and then owning it and doubling down on it. And when I was thinking about, you know, I'd always want to do something on my own. And I, when I was at my uh, last firm, WP Global, I, we worked with, I worked with a lot of you know, venture capital growth equity companies. And I, and I, you know, looked around and I was like, oh, this, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to be on the other side of the table, not on the investing side, but on like, the, you know, like the operating side, actually creating something like that really got me going. And when, um, when the initial idea behind Donor App came about, um, I was, first of all, I thought it was, it was really, really, you know, an extraordinary, you know, idea in its own right that allow individuals, you know, to become philanthropists, no matter your budget and something that, you know, I would, 
I would totally use. And, and, and I wasn't like I was giving giving away a ton of money at the time. And uh, but on top of that, as I did a lot more research, like kind of the stuff that you were you were talking off, I was like, wow, like, this is this is like a massive a massive market and a, and a massive you know opportunity to just bring something new to the space. And as I looked at it, I was like, well, who's doing donations now? Who does like donation process? Like, how does this work? How does like the GoFundMe work and all that? And when I started researching this and seeing, okay, like there's a crowdfunding people and then there's like the donation processing people that are like, you know, basically selling directly to nonprofits. And, you know, I was like, well, they're, they're selling like, you know, they're, they're, they're getting paid a lot of money by nonprofits and they're selling relatively commodity products. And I was like, you know, there's just an opportunity to really kind of hate to use the word disrupt, but disrupt the industry a little bit. And especially, you know, among younger people and just create a product that uh, did it for cheaper and, you know, had more innovation. And as I did this, I was like, you know, there's really something here. And that got me really excited. And um, and that's kind of what got me into it going and decided to jump in full time. Uh, you mentioned that you've always tried to have contrarian views. And I really admire that. But it seems like to me that the philanthropy space doesn't. Do you have a lot of internal debate within this? I, mean, I think it seems to be pretty straightforward that you donate money and you encourage more young people to donate money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you link up different organizations together to get more people to donate money. Mm-hmm. That, uh, do you have any contrarian views about the philanthropy space or within it that you feel like a lot of your peers might disagree with you about, uh, but but you feel pretty strongly about? Sure. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I, I would just say that I mean, in general, starting a company is, is by definition a contrarian endeavor for the most part, because if it was so obvious that it should be done and it made so much sense, some other big company would have done it or someone else would easily copy you right away and would do it. So uh, the fact that no one else is really doing it either make, means that uh, we're not onto something or we really are onto something. That we're going to find out soon. But um, but um, in terms of like the views with this, I mean, I don't think that... Um, many people are there's a few niche players but not many people attacking the space from the donor side versus like the nonprofit side so there's a lot of companies in the nonprofit fundraising space that provide services to organizations for like donation collection and donor management there's not many who are actually focusing reversing that and focusing on the starting with the donor experience and then and then going in and, and, and providing you know um, that that backend solutions to nonprofits. So that by definition is a contrarian view. I mean, it's like we're we're basically um, taking the idea of crowdfunding and flipping on its head. So instead of focusing on um, the entity raising the money, we're focusing on the entity giving the money. So by definition, like that is 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 a little bit different. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. I mean, I, you know, perhaps it's a contrarian held view within the philanthropy space or just in the general space. I mean, I think a lot of giving is is done. It has a lot of selfish motivations behind it. Well, again, it's not a bad thing, but people want to be recognized for giving. Um, they want to be, you know, um, you know, appreciated um, from nonprofits or from brands or whatever. Um, and I think that's a big driver for why people give versus this, the idea that people are just inherently purely altruistic and just want to give for those reasons, which does exist. But I think like the masses, um, uh, you know, give for those reasons. And I also think that, um, you know, people follow others, you know, um, uh, people don't, you know, especially just in fundraising or in general, I think, you know, and you see this with Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. I mean, people, you know, imitate others and follow others in terms of their own behavior and um, and it's it's again it's just something to to realize and think about that we might not have as much 
of our own decision making um, in a lot of things we do. And instead, we're, we're our decisions are based on what other people do, what other people think we should do, and we follow those almost to a T. And even when we recognize that we follow it, we sometimes don't always, we can't like break that cycle, which I think is the, the whole Instagram model. That, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's, I think that's true. And I, and I myself, you know, I'm not saying like, oh, like I'm not, I don't fall into that. I fall into that just as well. But, and I realize I fall into it, yet I still do it. Like, just like, you know, that's just how human nature, or human whatever. nature, it's human nature. It's a hundred percent. And, um, so, you know, in, 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 as I'm starting to donor up and thinking about it, a lot of those thoughts I think about all the time for why people do things the way they do. And, and I learn a lot more about behavior as I've started the company and interacted with hundreds of nonprofits, you know, thousands of donors and brands so that, you know, you, 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 you can kind of see that. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you just see you, yeah, I, I've been more on the development side with nonprofit fundraising and have been at conferences. And yeah, it's just interesting to kind of see how, how they think about things and talk about things. When, if you're not in that world, you would never think like that. I mean, just, you know, they're, you know, yeah. So, uh, so how do they think, think about it? Well, I mean, top down fundraising, I mean, it is, uh, it's a critical component of an organization's, you know, life cycle. And the so really much good of it is, is, is tapping into human nature. Yes. And, and the good organizations, they run, you know, they're very judicious with how they, you know, find the right donors and find people and target. And uh, it's just interesting, just like how Princeton is very good at yeah, you making sure you make this. donations <laughs> every single year. Um, and, you know, if you're just the lay person like I was three years ago, um, it just feels natural. But, um, you know, it's a very it's very business like how things are run in the fundraising space. And it's. And almost, yeah, and it's just, it's interesting. Got you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a contrarian view. I mean, we're talking yeah. about contrarian. I, I wanted to ask you about this. I mean, it doesn't seem to me that philanthropy space uh, or, or donation is like the uh, top priority for government policy or, or anybody's priority, right? I mean, I mean uh, sure. these days. I mean, like we have rising inequality, we have. Uh, all kinds of, it doesn't seem to me that donating to a nonprofit is the way to address those social or political issues. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think it, it absolutely could actually. I mean, I think a, there's a lot of things that government doesn't, doesn't um, cover that philanthropy does. And, um, and it could even be, you know, issues of inequality or it could be, you know, issues that the ACLU is, 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 tr- is representing and funding um, that go against the government, for example, that nonprofits actually can work and, and actually try to fix things. So I think nonprofits and donating to nonprofits is actually a way to solve a lot of structural. The donation is not the way to solve it, but nonprofits, you know, are working on ways to solve, you know, structural problems with um, with with the country. And I, I think I think I think it's absolutely true that they they have a really you know kind of real impact in that. And that's why you 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 saw a lot of this like what they call the you know the Trump bump. Since Trump's election, donations to nonprofits, you know, kind of went off went off the charts, and no now they way. kind of come back down. Yes, really, yes. So, so you know, people are viewing nonprofits as ways to affect change, to complement government actions. Exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. Interesting. Yeah. So now, but the research has since shown that, or the data has since shown that, you know, that Trump bump has kind of declined a little bit. So, like, the, because Trump you know, is doing so much better. Or? Well, I, <laughs> well, so a, I don't know if it's that more than just people. It's just like. It was excitement that got, got right. You. If 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 you know the ACLU was raising all this money and and everyone knew the ACLU was, ACLU was raising money, then people just started giving money. And then the next year it was like, well, we can't raise off of you know Trump's election or whatever, so it that didn't you know raise as much. Um, so it was more, I think, just you know the idea of, of 
him being in power. But I don't know, you know, I think, but it's since declined just on the data. But I mean, if you look at the donation space, right, this is something I've been quite interested in. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that the end goal of philanthropy is obviously not to generate returns, right? Correct. It's like, it's like, invest- so. Well, because it, it, it's, it's, you, you can't really, some in some of these, like, it's too hard. But yeah, but you're, you're right. So, so say I'm an investor, yeah. and obviously I want to do good. Yeah. Obviously, you're judged by doing good. But if you don't make money, you're gonna get fired. Whereas Correct. philanthropy, yeah. it's not like, all right, dude, if you don't like, you know, generate returns, we're gonna fire you. But sure. But the philanthropic mm-hmm. organizations need money to sustain. Uh, and there are many companies like Donor Up whose livelihood very much depends on the health and vitality of the sort of yeah. philo- well, philanthropy. Yes, space. yes, and we're, but we're we're actually ha- trying to help them get more money so they can support their programs. Right. So my my, my point is that how how do we reconcile the the need for money and the philanthropic intentions here? Because it seems to me kind of contradictory. Because like. You have big charities who raise a lot of money, but then like a significant portion of the donations that they raise go to day-to-day operations. Sure. And so a lot of people would say, yeah, I donate $1, and then 40 cents of those are just paying for the executive's business class flight. Sure, like, yeah. You know. So so what I would say on that issue specifically is I think – I think that that makes sense. And if you're looking for a newspaper headline, that that's going to win all day. Um, but you know, nonprofits are businesses in their own right. And as you would know, with any kind of business or any kind of startup, you know, you have to spend money to grow, and you have to have a team of marketing and in sales and whatnot, even in a nonprofit. So some of the best nonprofits might have, and I'm not I'm not condoning high overhead costs, but they might have high overhead costs because that allows them to get their mission to more people to raise more money. Right. So if you're paying an executive director a lot of money, well, maybe she's doing an or he's doing a really, really good job at raising funds. And therefore, the cost of that person is actually worth it. Like It's like, you know, would I rather give, you know, to a, um, uh, you know, to a nonprofit that does one hundred million dollars a year in, in revenue or donations? And let's say 20 million goes to overhead costs, but 80 million goes to the bottom line, but 20 million overhead costs or. I could give, you know, $100 to a nonprofit that does, uh, you know, 10 million of top line revenue, but only 1 million of overhead costs, so 10%, but only 9 million of actual, you know, their, their mission's only, you know, able to spread, you know, wherever $9 million can go. So I think there's a case to be made that even organizations that have high overhead and are able to grow, if they're showing growth, you know, means that, well, that's, you need to do that to grow. Because if, if you don't spend on marketing, if you don't spend on, getting your message out there, no one's going to know about you and no one's going to know the great work you're doing. So to the benefit, you know, to the defense of nonprofits a little bit, um, it's important to, to spend on those things that because you can't just like run it for like you can't just run. People are working on, you know, getting paid as well for their own lives. So um, and it's in the best organizations have really good, um, effective teams messaging um, what their mission is to everybody. So, you know, it's a, it's kind of an interesting Topic. Are we going to see any consolidation in the philanthropy space? And if you do, you mean on like the nonprofit side? Yeah. L- l- let me put it this way, because I was talking to someone who uh, runs like a family office. These, sure. I mean, there's so many family offices for you know investors, yep. investors, yep. and and small funds. Yeah. Uh, too much capital going around. And, sure. And they were just saying how like there's going to be consolidation like within big, that industry. Yeah. yeah. Big, big fish going to eat yeah. small fish. I mean, uh, it seems to me that there's so many. Uh, Nonprofit, like sure, everything. 1.5 million. 
like oh my god like i mean everybody knows like the big ones like oh the gates foundation is doing great things in africa yeah. this uh, but yeah. then i don't know like uh, w- that's why i asked you about due diligence how we actually get to know certain mm-hmm. small nonprofits but like are, are those small nonprofits efficient like why would i ever want to just give you know money to 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 to, to- to a small nonprofit, or right? Well, or? like because you were just giving the example, how like maybe okay, a so one, y- yeah, so dude, totally accurate. I think the reason why people would give to a smaller nonprofit is that they have a more of an emotional connection. I think this ties into why people give. I think people give because they have an emotional connection to something. Prince, I, I mean, I give to Princeton University um, because you know I have an emotional connection here. Now, um, you know, do they need the money versus another nonprofit that's solving world hunger? I don't know, but. You know, right. that's just that's that's human nature. Right. Um, so why I might give to a small nonprofit might be because I know the person who's running it and I trust them and uh, they're doing a really good job and they're trying to build it up. And I, and I believe in their what their mission is. And maybe they have a little bit of a different mission and unique way of solving the problem than a larger one does. So, you know, that's why it's not like I'm just like giving them money and, and less of it's going to the cause. It's like, oh, but they have an interesting take on how they're trying to solve this this issue. Um, so that's why I would more likely give to that organization versus a large organization that where more of my dollar would you know would 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 go to the bottom. Uh, line. It totally makes sense. I mean, I I I guess I was giving just, is emotional. That, that's for sure. That's I, why I GoFundMe works. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I was just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I know we can't you know just have one big right. gigantic organization. We can't have thirty million you know small ones yeah. running around. So it's 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 a middle point. You know, it's interesting because I I don't I never actually really thought about like if there's like. M&A activity within the nonprofit space. I don't really <laughs> think so, but I, I don't, I mean. A classic investment banker. Well, I don't know, but in. I mean, I, yeah, I don't actually know. I mean, I, you know, uh, well, the problem if there was only one solving the problem, they wouldn't really innovate that much because there was no necessarily competition or force for them to innovate. Um, some nonprofits like, you know, have to shut down because they don't produce results, but what are, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't really, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Got you. Yeah. No, no, no. All good. So, uh, I mm. guess what what's your long term vision uh, for the U.S. Philanthropy? I, I can't philanthropy. I yeah. keep uh, yeah. messing up this this word. I mean, yep. the, the charity space. Let's yeah, just call yeah, that uh, the charity space. So, what do you th- see? I mean, I guess the consolidation was uh, one sort of question there. What else do you see? Any changes? I mean, technology coming in. Well, I mean, uh, I, other disruptors. I, so I, I think one of the biggest changes you've seen in the past decade has been the rise of like Giving Days or crowdfunding like days like Giving Tuesday. Seven years ago, Giving Tuesday again the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, where everybody raises money, you know had you know raised like I don't know ten twenty million. Now it's raised like four hundred million. Um, so I see those trends still happening, but maybe starting to kind of you know. Um, slow down a little bit as people kind of get fatigued with those things uh, day after day uh, or year after year, I should say. Um, and I think you're going to have to see just companies being, I mean, I, th- that's where I see donor up is just being more innovative in fundraising and making it less um, exhausting for development teams and for individuals, um, licking it more to what we do every day, really trying to find a way to actually make the donation be the most, you know, most cost effective by going through donor up, which, you know, would seem weird because we could be looked at as a middleman. Um, so, you know, you know, I see trends there, and you also see Facebook entering the space really aggressively, and Instagram, 
getting in, getting involved in donations. Right now, yeah, you, you can donate, uh, start a donation for your birthday or whatever. Yeah, right? well, that and also you can you're going to be able to donate on Instagram, and, and I think that's really interesting that they're doing that. Um, and they're, you know, they're promoting no fees as well. And I think um, they want to get in this space because they probably know that it's it's a huge market as you had set out there. And I think that, you know, they probably want to get um, Facebook uh, nonprofits to advertise more with them, which they probably don't do as much of. And uh, if people are doing donations on Facebook, they're spending more time on Facebook or Instagram, which increases ad revenue. So, um, you know, it's a good business decision for them, um, I think, um, you know, to go into it. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. One thing that Facebook does not do, well, one thing that Facebook does is, is withholds a lot of donor information. So when you give on Facebook, the nonprofit doesn't actually receive the information who the donor is, which is really hard if you think about it, like a nonprofit needs to know who gave them money, not only for like just tax records, but also, you know, because they want to form a relationship with that person. So it's like, if you're in a business and you don't know who your customers are, that's kind of a problem. So the money is great, but I think that there's going to be a tension between the data and whether Facebook is fully owning it or the nonprofit does. Got you. Got you. That totally makes sense. So I'd be curious to watch those trends. Uh, any other long-term assessments you have? I mean, donor up. I, hopefully, we'll eventually go global, right? I mean, we're yeah, of course, we'll have to up, up those uh, continental Europeans giving. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so any other sort of uh, judgments, assessments you have for for how charity will shape up uh, in the next couple of decades globally, or? Um, I mean, I you know those are you know globally, it's tough for me to, to really say. I think. Um, but I, you know, I think politically, as we talked about, if there's certain things that happen politically where people really disagree with and whether it's like climate change and things like that, like that's going to increase donations 100 um, percent. Your Facebook's entering into the market. Um, you know, I, I, I what, what we're really trying to do and also is just really better connect all this, all this happening together. Right. This like brands who want to be seen as giving back individuals who want to work with, who want to spend money at brands who give back and also donate, and then nonprofits who want to find innovative ways to donate. Um, so, you know, it'll be fun to kind of see how that all plays out. I think it's because it's pretty absurd, right? I mean, like, uh, America's civic connectedness, the civil society are all eroding. Sort yep. of people are spending less time, like, with each other sort of in person. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing how people spend more money to sort of donate to charity fund? I mean, isn't there some sort of tension here? I mean, either philosophically or, or on a normative uh, basis, right? I mean, you were talking about tapping into human nature or yeah. something deeper. So I guess I was just wondering about, you know, how our society sort of shapes up uh, in in the long term as sort of people's relationships and how people see terms of donating and interaction. Yeah, I mean, I, I well, I mean, I think... You know, we want to move away from having it purely be transactional. So it's like right. it's forming that relationship with the organization that is really important, right. um, rather than having it just be transactional. But I mean, just in terms of general trends with, with, um, uh, with, with cell phones and social media. I mean, people have less and less personal interactions and are always on their phones. So, um, you know, I think philanthropy and the stuff that we're doing with like community events and you know maybe even some volunteering. It's kind of also bringing people together um, uh, on for you know giving to causes and everything like that, or even give or whether it's a workout or whether it's like a you know getting a drink at a bar. So we're kind of trying to intertwine all that within philanthropy. Um, but no, it's interesting. Totally makes mm-hmm. sense. 
Awesome. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I guess the name of our show is Policy Punchline. I have to ask you at the very end, uh, what's the punchline here for philanthropy? Got the word right yeah. uh, for entrepreneurship, policy making, any of this. Let's donor up. Let's donor up. Awesome. That's a great punchline. <laughs> I know you thought you've definitely been thinking about this thing. You, you've been. That's, you've been that, that is that is that is all I think about. <laughs> you've been getting up. ready for this. That's thing. all I think about. That's so funny. So <laughs> yes. So definitely. So donor up is uh, available for for download on my phone right now. Yep. It's on, the, um, on the app store. On the app store. So definitely go download that. Uh, you'll get some perks. Uh, yeah, we'll, get, we'll you. get you some get some perks going. That 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 more formally will launch this summer, but. As I mentioned, we're already doing events with, um, you know, with brands in cities like Barry's Bootcamp and Row House and uh, Charlie Street um, in New York City specifically, and we're, you know, opening up in other cities uh, very soon. So it's exciting. This is a very, very exciting space. Uh, huge, as as we just talked about, uh, four hundred ten billion dollars in twenty seventeen. Nine um, percent of the total workforce, six percent of GDP is the nonprofit sector. It's amazing. So really look forward to seeing how Donor Up yes. uh, disrupting this whole. No, thing. thank you for having me, and um, hopefully this was uh, this was insightful at least a little bit. I think, of course, hopefully. I mean, I'm pretty sure our listeners would have never really thought so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I never thought that even about I mean, philanthropy and into exactly. the business. So, of course, of course. So this is uh, it's 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 a pretty cool space. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us today, Alan. Thank you, Tiger. Appreciate it. Awesome. And this concludes uh, this episode of Policy Punchline. Please visit us on policypunchline.com. Follow us on Twitter at Policy Punchline. Uh, listen to us, uh, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, on uh, SoundCloud. So thank you so much for listening today. You've been listening to Policy Punchline, a podcast generously supported by the Julius Rabinowitz Center for Public Policy and Finance at Princeton University. We would also like to encourage you to follow other podcasts produced by Princeton University, such as Politics and Polls by the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. Policy Punchline is intended to be informational only and does not reflect nor represent the views of Princeton University or the Julius Rabinowitz Center for Public Policy and Finance. For more information on subscription, donation, volunteering, or contact, please visit policypunchline.com. Thank you again for listening.